This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Super Cast. I'm John Abraham, joined by Dave McDonald. Damon, the power struggle is finally over, and what an absolute mess it was. The The babyface goes over in the end, and evil is defeated, but it took way too long. It was a real clusterfuck. There are question marks over the results after accusations of foul play. We're expecting challenges to their legitimacy, and the whole thing has just left me lamenting the state of this once great institution. But that's enough about US politics. We're also <laughs> going to talk about the New Japan show that happened on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Booze Leprechaun asks, which cabinet position should Gritty and Philly Elmo get in the Biden administration? <laughs> Secretary of fuck around and find out. That's what he should get. Uh, yeah, what a, what a wild weekend, right? What a wild week it has been in the United States. Um, all I know is that they were, that it ended up with dancing in the streets. <laughs> and, and, and for the first time in many moons, joy on people's faces. Um, and, and, and it did feel different. It really was weird, like Saturday and, and Sunday. We had beautiful weather. Be- absolutely unbelievable weather, Joel. Couldn't ask for, for two better days, three better days, weather-wise. And... People took advantage of that, that's for sure, because it just felt like it was a, I don't know, like a like a, a stress off of a lot of people's shoulders. So um, it felt good. Uh, we're moving on, and um, I can't say that I'm uh, unhappy with the results. Pretty pretty happy. So uh, again, it's over. Uh, thank God it's over. Thank God it's, it's over. Um, and then, uh, yeah, let's see what we got going on. I mean, now we can go back to just boring politics. That's exactly what I would love. And hopefully we'll never have to talk about politics again ever on this show. So, um, yay, democracy. Yay, mail-in votes. Yay, gritty. Yay. Yay. Yeah, if nothing else, Dave, and this has just been, uh, a golden time for memes that oh. the one that i shared with you with like the wwf <laughs> yeah thing with like a gritty coming out of stone cold to help mankind win the title that was incredible it was that and a lot of them so of course you you're well aware of the uh the four seasons press conference Joel. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> a lot of people would have thought of a different kind of Four Seasons when it was first mentioned. But yeah. what was it like a, a landscaping center in a, a car park next to an adult bookstore? <laughs> yes, yep, and uh, a crematorium, uh, I believe, is, is across the street. Yeah, and and where it is is it is in the middle of nowhere, northeast Philadelphia, like off of ninety five, I ninety five. But it is just like an industrially just it's just uh, like no one would ever go there. Uh, although there is a pretty decent barbecue place, let, let it be known in that general area. Um, oh, gee, that was that was just like what? <laughs> What's going on? Four Seasons landscaping. Oh, it's just that it, it couldn't end any more 
crazy. Like it's just a sitcom of all sitcoms. Um, but yeah, the memes were the memes were fucking great. Everything. I don't know. It was just a. It was. I, you know, I was, I was, I was proud of Philadelphia, man. I was proud of Philadelphia to, to be able to uh, give the death blow. Um, it was, uh, it was fitting. It was, it was pretty fitting. So, don't fuck around with Philly. That's what happens in the end. And here's the thing, though. Like, like this is not to say that Philly isn't doesn't have a history of corruption and their own fucking racism within the, the you know, they're, they're, we are not angels in this. But to be clear, this is a situation where, uh, you know how you can like make fun of your brother or make fun of your friends, but if other people make fun of them, you're, you're fucking dead? This is that situation. That's kind of a, uh, a motto we live by here in this area. So, uh, yes, we can poke fun and... And and fuck about, if you will. But uh, you can't do that. You uh, can't do that. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, like I said, just a little fitting how the gang wins the election, <laughs> as our friends on Sunny would say. Very good. Uh, but, Joel, that aside, politics aside and a uh, changing of the guard aside, we have plenty to talk about with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, we have a busy day ourselves just in general uh, with all the pro wrestling that we'll be talking, not only here, but in a, another special edition we're, we're recording uh, later tonight. Uh, lots to get to. So uh, why don't you uh, take the keys, set the sails, and let's go grab a case of beer and hit the oceans, shall we? That was an unexpected swerve. I thought I was going to be driving a, a car or something, and now I'm in charge of a boat. I You're a boat. I'm not sure I'm qualified for this, but okay, here we go. Let's sail straight into the Osaka Prefectural Gym, the Edion Arena, for mm. Power Struggle, which took place on Saturday evening. We open up with the Provisional KOPW 2020 No Corner Pads match with Toriano uh, defeating the challenger Zack Sabre Jr. in 12 minutes 11 seconds by countout as Yano successfully retains the KOPW crown. And this was about 10 minutes too long for my liking. I, I thought the finish was pretty clever, but it was nowhere near uh, as good or funny as their G1 match. It, it failed the laugh test. Yeah. I did not laugh once. No. And, well, actually, one thing did make me smile, but it was uh, Zack Sabre Jr. chasing Yu Uemura with a pair of scissors at the end of the match. And I was screaming at my computer, you never run with scissors, Zack. What are you doing? <laughs> it's very dangerous. Uh, it's quite funny, actually, backstage, Zack, because in the, the build-up to this match, he'd been saying how he wants to win the KOPW trophy and throw it in a bin. But then afterwards, he changed his mind. He was like, oh, actually, I, I quite wanted to win that, and now I'm upset. So that's good. You should never bury the titles that you're challenging for. Um, so there we go. Didn't love this one. What did you think? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat, man. Um, it, look, it, it gives Yano something to do. Is the best I can describe this. Um, I, if, if, if it were a Zach win and it did result in him putting it in the bin, as you describe, uh, I would have been two thumbs up on that. Yeah, it wasn't even like it wasn't even comical. It was just there. And tell how did you're opening a show and you're opening a show with a count out, number one. And number two, um, the count out did, did that have any dramatic effect for you at all? 
Like it just felt like oh, no, it was telegraph, go. wasn't it? You could see it coming a mile away. As soon as Yano was fucking around with Zach's laces, you're like, okay, well that's going to be the finish, and you had to wait about two minutes before it was actually <laughs> executed. So, yeah, if it had been done a bit more deftly and had more unexpected, like if you if you couldn't tell if the camera had basically zoomed right in on Yano tying Zach's laces together, and then you just you got the shock of Zach sort of getting up and then falling over, then that might have been more impactful. But it just right. Yeah, it, it took too long. Right, it felt very like okay. Uh, so you know your drama of your twenty count that you would normally get uh, that you could toss that right out the fucking window. I don't know. I mean, look, it was a hard thing to kind of pull off. This thing's a hard thing to pull off in period, in period, just period. Um, because again, you're, the the goal of this is to have a sprint have a, a you know wackiness and you don't know if, if you know if it's coming from high if it's coming from low if it's coming from the left coming from you don't know you know you there's only so many times you can go to that well before it gets like okay what what else are you going to do <laughs> you know just I don't know and and no one really wants to see a plain pure pro wrestling match here right this is not what this is about and you open the show with it and it's a count out I don't know, man. This thing just had destined to fail all over. It. Like, how do you, how do you make this work at this point? Uh, and that's a, that. By the way, that's a theme I will be going to for the majority of this review. How do you make it work at this point? Uh, so we start off here, and it's kind of fitting that we did because, like I said, that's what I'll be saying a lot during this review. Do you think Yano gets in any more KOPW defenses before the end of the year, or you don't care? I don't care. Um, to be very clear, I don't care. Uh, but I think, uh, I mean, I think the majority of these shows, we're going to be focusing on Tag League and Best of the Super Junior. So I don't know how they would, they would shoehorn in another one. So I would think... With the rest of Chaos doing other things, whether it's defending the Never titles, whether it's um, whatever the fuck anybody else, you know, <laughs> you know, Okada's got, you know, got some stuff he's got to take care of at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, I think that's where we'll see Yano in a in a KOPW defense at, at uh, Wrestle Kingdom. Well, no, because at the end of the calendar year, that's it. It's reset. So if he oh, can God. survive until oh my uh, January 1st, then he is the king of pro wrestling. I mean, maybe that's it. you could set up something for the, the World Tag League Best of Super Juniors final, or you could throw in a defense at one of those um, Road to <laughs> Wrestle Kingdom shows at the end of the year. But uh, Does anybody give a I'm fuck? Be losing sleep over. <laughs> I mean, like, I completely forgot that that was even the, the, the thing. Yeah, okay. So, can you refresh? See that my would have memory? been fun actually if he hadn't defended at Wrestle Kingdom. You could, I, I was saying, like you could uh, steal like the DDT uh, Iron Metal Heavyweight gimmick Battle Royal things and have uh, Yano get like a bunch of challengers come out one by one, each with a different wacky stipulation, and have like a little that'd be pretty comedy cool. match to, to right. open up Wrestle Kingdom or something. That would have been fun. But yeah, uh, but no. but here's the thing: like, <clears throat> like it's not the calendar year, is it? Is it just until because if it. It was like in what March, April, where we where we had this 
four-man schmaz? Or was no, it late? Uh, that was Summer Struggle, wasn't it? It was uh, yeah. August. Okay, I don't know. That late. Okay. So wouldn't it go just to August, or is it just going to the calendar no, year? Just, uh, yeah, end of December. Oh. Who made these? Who, it was this, is this Okada's fault? This is Okada's, Okada's fault. fault. This I love it. It was his big idea, big press conference, and then he loses. He's like, ah, well. He hasn't <laughs> said the word. Yeah, he hasn't thought of it again. Just fucking walked away. He literally went, I'm out. Uh, all right. Well, yeah, this is done, right? This we're, we're just we're, we're we're done with this fucking little league trophy bullshit. I'm done with it. I don't give a single fuck. Although it that would be a pretty cool thing in the sense of uh, having yeah, just if people come out and be like, okay, now it's a fucking you know, I don't know, finger up the butt match. I don't know. I made that one up. That's not a real wrestling match. <laughs> don't book that. Do not book the finger in the butt match. All right, uh, next, Joel. <laughs> All right, next, our second match was the Never Openweight Championship. Finger up the butt, Matt. Oh, no! Just a regular match. Uh, with the challenger, Shingo Takagi, defeating the champion, Minoru Suzuki, in 80 minutes, 56 seconds with Last of the Dragon. And Shingo Takagi once again becomes the Never Openweight Champion. Yeah, this is what you'd expect. But actually, I thought there was surprisingly good selling here with uh, Suzuki just getting beaten down, showing some defiance, trying to stand up to Shingo's power, but his body failing him at the end of the day. And it sort of broke down a bit in parts towards the end, but it kind of worked with the story, given everything that I just laid out. And uh, Shingo, for his part, he showed some good back-selling as well, but it is what it is. It's, it's angry dudes smacking each other really hard and pulling funny faces, and you can't go wrong with that. No. Um, I'm, I, I'm kind of over saying it again. Like, let's 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 put this to rest. Um, but you have to give credit where credit is due here, too. Like, these guys, you know, if, if I'm going up and down the roster, Suzuki, he's had a pretty fucking decent year. Um, he's had an outstanding year. Yeah. I mean, you, you might think it's from a different fucking decade the way this year's gone, but he had that great match with John Moxley at the mm-hmm. start uh, early on in the year at New Beginning and a tremendous G1 climax exceeded a lot of people's expectations mine included and I think he will be in the conversation if not wrestler of the year then um, I don't know under underappreciated of the year yeah yeah like he's he, he's going to get votes like he's I you know he might not be a number one pick for a lot of people, but he's where he's going to get votes are number two and three spots. Like that's where he's going to collect. Um, and even Shingo too, you know, even Shingo too. And and again, I get the idea that okay, you see, it kind of feels like okay, you know what you're going to get on paper when when you see these two in the ring. Like you're right, it is hard hitting and funny faces and and all that stuff. But like to me. That's that's what I want from these two. Um, that being said, again, I think we're done with it. I think we can we can put this to rest. But I mean, I, I think this is, if not the best match on the show, it was one of them, right? Um, and again, I don't think there were any spectacular matches on this show. Not to give away anything, but I don't think there was anything that where I was like, must watch again, rewind. Let's let's put that on again. But I think this match was probably my second favorite match of the night. 
What do you think is next for both guys? Well, particularly Shingo, because he's the never champion now. And I don't see a clear challenger for him at Wrestle Kingdom. Again, maybe someone ta- pins him during World Tag League to set up a defense. But I can't think of an opponent off the top of my head. Well, if we're looking at World Tag League, right? Um, you're right. He's He is tied up with the never title. So to me, that makes um, a lot of sense to have... Um, them not win, right? Shingo and Sonata. Um, and then if you look at the other people that might not be doing anything, the one that stands out is Goto. Um, the other one that stands out for me is Evil. But one that kind of stands out, and I don't know if this is... Here's what it would do. It would be, I think it would be the most interesting match possible for the Never title. And that's Hiroshi Tanahashi. Oh, I love it. Right? I, wasn't, I, I hadn't thought about that. Now you've put it out there. I think Tanahashi would be excellent for the Never division. I think that would be really fucking good. I mean, you look at Tanahashi's year. And if you're looking at it from a win-loss perspective, and if we're talking about the, um, the idea of Tanahashi maybe stepping back a little bit, and and the the idea of pushing other people and you know the the people that were on top for years maybe taking a step back. And again, it depends on what you want to consider the never title if that is a step down. But to me, that helps elevate the never title. It helps elevate Shingo, and I think those matches would be fucking great. Um, so and again, he t- it's Tanahashi and Hanare. Um, so I don't expect them to go on and challenge for tag titles. I don't know. It just that, that one stood out to me like, oh, Tanahashi might be a real good fit for this. Um, so I'm going to stick with that and see where we land come January 4th. Third match was Kazuchika Okada defeating Great Okan in 12 minutes, 58 seconds by referee stoppage after locking in the money clip. Nice little match. I think O'Connor's got a good move set, and he's been asked to do a, a different and, and difficult job to a lot of returning young lines because he's the dominant heel who's going to be in control uh, of most of the match, and that's a big ask for someone who's relatively inexperienced. Yeah. Like you, you can see uh, even someone like Evil struggled with it initially, and he's been wrestling much longer than O'Connor has, but I thought O'Connor did a good job here. I think he'll be successful as he continues to figure it out and get more experience wrestling big matches like this, he's only going to get better. Uh, there were some neat story beats in this match, and the feud as a whole, actually, with Okan being one of the few people who's been able to reverse the money clip using this taped hands death claw thing. Broke out of it twice, but eventually Okada adapted by locking in the money clip on the other side, so Okan's clawed hand was trapped. And Okan didn't tap out either, so he was uh, protected to some extent. So, uh, yeah, I thought this was pretty good. I kind of th- thought this match was a, a good learning experience match. Now, sometimes it, when you're watching at home, that might not be a thing that you want to enjoy, if that makes any sense, right? You you kind of want to have a, a great match, and you don't want to necessarily watch a learning experience unfold in front of your eyes. But that's the kind of vibe I got from here, right? I kind of got a vibe of a guy who, you know, that's a big spotlight early in his career against a guy who, you know, again, he may ha- have had an off year, but um, 
I think everyone can agree that putting a, a guy who might need to have a little bit more experience in with 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 Okada, that's that's, that's I, I like my odds there, right? I like my odds there. Yeah, his offense is a little bit boring. Yeah, when he's in control, it was you know a little bit of a okay. I'm I'm checking my phone a little bit. Um, again, people are still out uh, whether they're they're digging the gimmick or not. Um, and and how he grows into it, but I think he's still got to grow into it a little bit too. Um, I think that he's he's going to be more comfortable in this role um, and have this role grow because this role role does need to grow. But again, a learning match um, that happens to be a big spotlight match. Uh, yeah, I just don't want. Here's what I don't want. I I, I don't want Okan to be a guy that is just a heat magnet where. He's the guy that's good, like you know. I guess for lack of a better, like a heavyweight bushi, right? I don't want him just to be the the the, the guy who goes out there and eats the pins all the time, um, and that may might happen. Like he just might be the bodyguard, Big Bubba Rogers. You know, he'll beat the undercard, but when it comes to the stars, that ain't happening. We got plenty of time for that though. Um, but yeah, I, I did feel like this was. You know, time to go to school for the great Ocon, um, and, and just to to help in his progression of getting better. All right, uh, I think it's worth talking about Will Osprey as well because he debuted a bit of a new look here with his suit and his glasses. He reminded me a bit of uh, the actor Killian Murphy in his various villainous roles. And at the end of this match, Osprey went into a very long and I thought truly incoherent promo uh, <laughs> Okada looked distinctly unimpressed I think Osprey needs to figure out who his heel character is and what his motivations are because yeah. one minute he thinks he's the best in the world he's been held back by Okada he used Okada to get more popular he hates the fans he wants to make lots of money he wants to end Okada's career which is it? it can be some of those things but it can't be all of them and he hasn't figured out uh, his own character's motivations for turning heel, which is fine because it's early days, but maybe keep the promos to a minimum until he's decided why it is he, he hates Okada so much. So I don't think I'm, I'm ready to be going out uh, and buying the slick Billy with a big Willy t-shirt just yet. <laughs> no? Uh, so, so I think I'd have kept that receipt, Joel. <laughs> My boy. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, was, I was saying on Twitter, pro wrestling tees, they'll print that, but they won't print my scampy club t-shirt. Right. right. That, that, is, that might be one of the worst t-shirts in the history of pro wrestling. That goes right up there with Billy Gunn's I'm an ass man. Um, or the APA, always pounding ass. You're always pounding ass, are you? <laughs> are you pounding ass? Um, Good for you. Go, go and get it if you can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you need to put it on a fucking t-shirt, but okay, great. Um... I agree. I think this. I think the empire idea has a lot more room to breathe. And like it, there, like there's it. It is new. It's new for everyone. Um, just as much as I talked about a learning experience for um, Okan, I, it's a learning experience for Will. I'm sure to make this work. He. It, we, I don't think we've found our groove yet with it. Um, it helps when he has focus and motivation 
um, for this heel turn. And when I say motivation, like like what is his motivation for this heel turn? Right. I mean, that's fiction. That's storytelling 101, isn't it? That they always say, if every character you've got in your story, make sure they have a motivation. Even if it's something as basic as this character wants a glass of water, it's got to be there and it's got to be clear to the audience what that motivation is. And once you've done that, then the story sort of tells itself. Right. And that to me, that's a missed opportunity, though. Like, like you need to do that first and foremost. Like, if you're sitting there in the ring trying to explain <laughs> and trying to to help us connect the dots, I mean, it's it's I mean, it's can be just as simple as hey, I'm I'm a jealous guy and I want to be number one and and all, but um, and, th- and that's probably right where it will land. Um, I I know I just want to be number one, and you were holding me back, and that's fine. I mean, that's that's pro wrestling one hundred and one. We've seen that throughout the years. Um, but just be but yeah, clear: don't come out talking about money and throwing right. your watch around. <laughs> right, right. That I mean, I agree with that one hundred percent. You can't go from you know the aerial assassin or the assassin now that you're heavyweight, and then turn into you know Mister Moneybags on. Uh, Coming Garden, you know, it just doesn't. Prick Flair, Prick Flair, <laughs> yeah, Prick Flair. Um, so again, it just that that's just simple. And again, I think that will come once you get once he gets more comfortable in that role and finds his groove. Um, it would be nice if, if that were done quick, quick, quicker because um, we have a big show right around the corner that people want to be invested in. Anyway, the reason I couldn't buy the uh, Slick Billy with a big Willy t-shirt is because I've already spent all my money on the Okada Tap or Nap You've Been Clipped shirt. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway, this uh, Okada versus Osprey match is now official for Wrestle Kingdom. And uh, Louis has an interesting thought here. It says, while watching the match, Osprey dressed up as a wealthy Englishman having his minion do his dirty work. Reminds me that Okada was once forced to do the Okato gimmick at TNA. So maybe mm-hmm. Okada's trying to free Okada from Osprey. So interesting thought there. We'll have to see how that story plays out. Um, let's talk about the fourth match, which was the IWGP US heavyweight right to challenge contract match with the holder, Kenta, defeating the challenger, Hiroshi Tanahashi, in 19 minutes 57 with game over. And I thought this was a very good match. I think these two have got great chemistry. I love Kenta being a massive twat and fucking around with Tanahashi's hair, doing the air bass guitar, the air piano. It's just two experienced pros going out there, putting on another really compelling match with uh, Kenta getting a, a clean submission win. So he's going to defend that US title briefcase against David Finley on Strong. And a post-match, he had a really interesting promo, actually. He talked about a story of when... Uh, he was with WWE, he was in Taiwan, they were on tour, and Tanahashi happened to be in town as well, and he went out for dinner, so there was uh, Kenta, Tanahashi, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Asuka, and Kenta was talking in this promo how he felt out of place there, he felt um, uncomfortable being with three other people that he thought were real legends of the business, and he thought he didn't quite live up to that, but now that he's beaten Tanahashi, he says he, he feels comfortable with who he is and what he's achieved. So it's just the interesting thing about Kenta, under all the, the dickishness and the bravado, he does show that little human sides that, you know, we're all plagued by self-doubt and insecurities and uh, worry that we're going to be found out as being a fraud. So when he gives voice to that, it just adds a little interesting edge to his character. And I think he belongs at that table. Do you think he belongs at the table? Yeah, I think he's right now, you know, one of New Japan's 
big, big, uh, big players. I think he's. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, why? Well, I here's the thing. Even before that, I th- I would say, I look. Let's take the WWE thing out of it. You know what I mean? If you take the WWE thing out of it, he's still a fucking Hall of Famer. He's still a legend. Um, he's still one of the greats of all time. And I think I don't think there's a person that's that has you know that's watched pro wrestling. You know, not some fucking you know guy hopping in two months ago. Okay, he might have a a little bit of a different thing, but you know they. If they go back and watch, do their homework. They'll say it. They'll say it. I mean, yeah, he's. I I appreciate the fact that he has that self doubt. I like. I kind of like that in a human being. Period. Um. But yeah, he uh, he's at the table. Absolutely. Yeah. He. As a matter of fact, you know what? He might be head of the table. What do you think of that? What do you think of that? He might be head of the table. I mean, again. But here's the thing with the WWE thing. He was injured for half of it. You know what I mean? Like, he, he, that, no fault of his own. It had more to do with that safe style that fucking WWE loves to tout. He was out with a shoulder injury. And and a surgery that didn't quite go as well as, as uh, it should have. So, you know, people want to point fingers at that run. A lot of that shit wasn't really his fault. What did you think of the Kenta Tanahashi match? I thought it was good. I thought it was really good. I like this one a lot. Um, I would probably put it third favorite of the night. Um, I'm I, a little piece of me dies every time Tanahashi does a clean fucking job. I mean, it's like has he won a single like? Obviously, G1 he has. But, man, I just feel like this guy, the past three years, big matches, he's lying down to fucking everybody. And it's fine. I mean, lying down to Kent, that's that's not a big deal. But it just seems like every big name, every big match, this guy's fucking getting pinned and tapping. I've seen Tanahashi tap more times this year, it feels like, than I have in his, you know, in a long time. Uh... I don't know. Just, just it's just confirmation to me that it's another, another step down, another step down, another step down, another step down, another step down. Um, it's kind of like your favorite baseball player getting pulled in the you know eighth inning because he can't, you know, he's 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 a base running threat or a defensive threat because he can't, you know, or you know, liability is what I should say because he just can't do it anymore. And I don't think anybody that listens to this show doesn't believe that if Hiroshi Tanahashi gets a tap on the shoulder, he can't fucking go. But it's more of okay, we're, we're we need to push new stars. We need to, we need to keep things fresh. We need to, you know, keep keep the the wheel greased and moving. And part of that is some you know people that were at the top might have to go down a little bit. So it's like that. I guess I guess I guess when he tapped. A little part of me was just like, oof, another clean one, huh? Look at you. <laughs> Look at you what's doing good for business. Good, you know, good job by you. But, yeah, I thought the match was good. Probably my third favorite of the, of the night. You got a feel for a potential uh, Tokyo Dome opponent for Kenta? Because I don't think it is going to be Moxie anymore because I think there are some AEW shows that are going to be at the end of the year, so I'm not 
convinced that John Moxley is going to be sitting in quarantine and missing those to appear at the Tokyo Dome. So, in the event of Moxley not appearing, who do you think could be an opponent for Kenta? I mean, I would hope that they would... Look, I know the idea of of having him keep that title is something, you know, let's just hold off, let's just hold off, and it'll just be briefcase defenses and blah, blah. There's, we can't we can't go do this anymore. Can we just... When Moxley can come back, he can come back. But in the meantime, there has to be some type of wacky pro wrestling booking decision of the belt is off Mox and we'll defend it here. Or, I mean, they pretty much put it on ice right now anyway. You know, we haven't seen it in months and I don't think we're going to see it live in months. It's a weird scenario. AEW is not going to allow John Moxley to walk out on strong and be like, okay, give me fucking, I don't know, Tamatanga. That's just not going to happen. So, um, it's pro wrestling. We can do whatever we want, right? We can make up some fucking, we don't even, here's the thing. Here's what's crazy. We're living a pro wrestling excuse right now. It's real life. Just be like, look, the guy can't come. He can't defend the fucking title. We've held off as long as we possibly can. Sorry that your country's fucked up this COVID thing, but we can't let you in. Uh, and you ain't leaving. You got booking commitments with AEW. Okay, sorry. We're, we're going to have to strip you of the title. And um, number one contender versus briefcase. And then we'll fucking do it at the Dome. Uh, Juice Robinson, then. <laughs> yeah. There's your answer. Yeah, I mean... That's, when in that's doubt, a... plug Juice Robinson into the US title picture. <laughs> yep, that's exactly right. And I, and honestly, that's I, I, that's the safest, easiest way to get from point A to point B. Um, when Mox can return, I, I, welcome with open arms. Open arms. Without question. But it's just, it, you know, you, you can't do it. We, we, we got to move on. All right, speaking of easiest ways to get from point A to point B, it's the fifth match, the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Double Championships <laughs> right to challenge contract with the challenger, Jay White, defeating the holder, the G1 Climax winner, Kota Ibushi, in 18 minutes, 47 seconds with a backslide. So Jay White gets the briefcase. He has got the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Double Championships right to challenge contract. So I mean, the match itself, really good stuff. I mean, it's always yeah. good between these two. Jay White going after Ibushi's abdomen, taking away those explosive power moves. I, I thought this was one of their best matches as they're building their chemistry, which was already very good. Just the things like the counters and the scrambles are just mesmerizing at times. And, and it was building at that classic New Japan style pace. And then we got the backslide pin out of nowhere with the feet on the ropes, which was a truly shocking moment as the briefcase flips for the first time. I discussed this with our <coughs> resident Ibushi scholar, Nicole, Booze Leprechaun, and she unpacked a lot of the great stuff happening at once here uh, after the match had finished, where you got uh, Gay Kid and Yotosuji pleading with Marty Asami. They were miming Jay White putting his feet on the ropes. Marty's miming that he didn't see anything. Uh, Gabe's pleading with Abe, uh, the, the timekeeper. Then Ghetto knocks over Suji. Ibushi, he's left alone in the ring. Jay White walks off with his, his stolen briefcase. The crowd is just stunned. They're quiet. They're absolutely shocked. Ibushi, he's he's almost tearing up, and he's got the beginning. What Nicole says, the ugly puffy cry face, <laughs> and then when Ibushi finally does leave the ring, it's his slow 
agonising walk of disbelief, the walk of shame. He looks back at Gabe Kidd. Gabe's looking devastated as well. The crowd's applauding him, but she is if he won, just out of sympathy. And Nicole says her mouth was literally open. Her heart was ripped out. Great stuff. Great drama. But here's where the problem is. By the time Ibushi makes his run-in during the main event, Nicole says that her despair has transformed to hope. And then less than 24 hours later, he's back in the main event of the Tokyo Dome against Naito, challenging for the titles as if nothing has happened. He bottled it, Damon. And and to me, that is a a huge problem. And it's not so much with the end result, because it's a great... Naito-Ibushi is a great match. Ibushi deserves it. It's more how we got there. And this... Shocking defeat, the, the gravitas of being the first man to lose a briefcase was a moment that, you know, should have made an example out of the loser. Bam! That's it. Tough shit. You lost. You're out of the title match at Wrestle Kingdom. Better luck next year. And if you want him to be in that main event, don't have him be the guy that loses the briefcase. Right. And, and, and at the very least, if you're going to stick with this tiny, tiny redemption story, it needed time to breathe. And, you know, weeks at the very least, not less than a day uh, like if you really want to get that briefcase gimmick over, whoever lost it should be out of the picture for Wrestle Kingdom. Otherwise, it doesn't mean anything. And and I wanted to feel that there are uh, real heavy consequences for what just happened to Ibushi, but they undid that the very next day. And and that just raises the bigger issue we're doing the double dome again because we're basically having a remax of the double gold dash from Wrestle Kingdom 14, but this time we've got Ibushi plugged into the position that Naito was in, of the downtrodden challenger who didn't have a strong claim to being in that mix. He's been fucked over by Jay White. And to be fair, right, Nicole is absolutely cool with this story as an Ibushi fan. She wrote a great tweet thread explaining why she thinks it's logical, makes sense, that I retweeted. So other opinions are available. I'd be interested to see what other Ibushi fans think. But to me, it feels too similar to last year's story where you're, you're stacking the odds against one guy who's then basically telegraphed to come out of Wrestle Kingdom on top. And it just feels lazy. And I know it's because they've got two Tokyo Dome shows to book and they don't have the confidence to not headline one of those shows uh, with, with an IWGP title match. They want to have the IWGP title headlining both of them, which is, I don't know, a bit cowardly to me. To me, that's yeah. a failure. Like, the double gold dash, I was fine with that last year as a one-off. But if we're going to get it every year, then you've got to get rid of this G1 briefcase stipulation because otherwise they're going to end up doing this convoluted booking that devalues everything where you've got to crowbar everything into a, a, a pseudo mini tournament. You can't have it both ways where... The G1 Climax is this ultra-hard gauntlet to get the golden ticket for the biggest match of the year. But then you either get other people sneaking in there or, or you lose the golden ticket but weasel your way back in anyway. They could have had something else headlined in one of these Wrestle Kingdom nights. Like, hypothetically, they had a whole year to elevate, let's say, the Intercontinental title, which has headlined Wrestle Kingdom before, remember? Yeah. Uh, and they could have elevated that. They had enough time so it would be big enough to sell... 20,000 tickets. To be honest, Damon, the draw of that January 4 Tokyo Dome show probably sells out the event anyway. Right. But if they're going to continue to hedge their bets with double dones in the future, then that G1 victory stipulation needs to change. And, and Naito said that himself, to be fair. I think the G1 can be an accolade in its own right without carrying that Wrestle Kingdom title shot briefcase stipulation. Or, or maybe it gives you a title match at King of Pro Wrestling or Power Struggle or whatever. And then there's some other criteria for getting in the mix for Wrestle Kingdom that are clear and logical. If you are dead set on having an IWGP title defense on both nights, you, you can't have your cake and eat it. Look, to me, they, they've devalued G1 in a heartbeat. They devalued... First of all... All right, let me just stick with this point. I, I really feel like they've devalued that win, right? 
Yes, I agree with you 100%. If you're going to have the swap of the briefcase, make it impactful. It's the first one that you've ever done. Um, 24 hours later, he's in, you know, he's in the mix again. You know, why would you have, and, and again, why would it be Abushi that, that has this again, right? This is a guy that's coming off going 0 for 2 at last double dash, right? You give him the G1 win, then you have him lose this, this fucking briefcase, first guy to do it, okay? Then he's right back in the mix. Now, we go on to, to, to January 4th and 5th. Abushi has to win this fucking title, right? I mean, that's the only logical way we go with this, right? Like, he's not going to lose this match against Naito, right? Like, he has to go on to night two and defend against Jay White, right? Has to. If not, Abushi is just, just what's, what was the point? He's 0 for 2 at the Dome. He squeaks out a fucking win in G1, in which he gets in by points, by the way. Let's just make that clear, right? It's not like he dominated and made it in. Got in by points. Then, loses the briefcase. Again, gets kind of fucked over. A little cheating, but okay. Foot in the ropes. Okay. okay. Then he's going to go into the dome. He's going to lose that match? He's going to get pinned by Naito. Really? And that's it? Away we... That, that's it. That makes no sense to me. Now, let's flip it. Naito's going to go into this thing. He's like, okay, I get to pick a challenger too. I'm going to do it because I can, because you know it happened before, so I'm going to do it now too. And I pick Kota Ibushi on the first night. He loses the titles at the Dome? Really? He just beat Evil. He's going to, he's going to lose it again. You're a Naito fan. You're sitting there, there what the fuck? My guy looks like an asshole. He looks like a boob. Why would he take this match? Why would he want this match? He's going to lose. Okay? Then, your last option is, you got Jay White, who as much as he we enjoy him, and as much as, you know, these matches are, are progressively getting better, has never, never delivered a Wrestle Kingdom main event. Never. So now what? So now we got a, a, we're going to close this show with Jay White versus either Ibushi or Naito, which can be very good. We haven't seen great. We haven't seen Wrestle Kingdom main event, and now is the time to have a Wrestle Kingdom main event. <laughs> don't don't try and devalue the Wrestle Kingdom main event. So we're going to have that. That's a guarantee to close this, this these, these two nights out. Against either Abushi, who beats Naito and devalues him, or Naito, who just beat Abushi, who's now a fucking boob. How is this a win for anybody? How does anybody come out of this looking good? This is a mess. And to top it all off, and to put the icing on this nice little cake that we have here. Does anybody truly give a shit? I know more people that are just like, oh, uh, what? What are we doing? How How did we get here? And this is what we're looking forward to? I don't know, man. 
I'm looking at this thing at the end of this fucking show. And I got to be honest. And I texted you this. I don't know if this is for me. I don't know. I don't know if this is for me. I got concerns. And I think there's a lot of people that have concerns. I can't tell you the amount of people who had texted me with concerns. We'll, we'll just leave it at that. I feel like we shoehorned our way in here, like you said. I feel like we squeezed 10 pounds of shit in a five-pound bag. And here we are. And even the end results, unless they come up with some creative, wacky fucking way that we don't know about, the paths that I see, somebody's going to look like a fucking boob. So one thing that I did enjoy from the, the press conference the next day was Jay White taking to the, the stage, sitting there, went on this massive 10-minute rant, and then he realised the, the poor translator was going to have to translate every single <laughs> word of what he just said. And he was like, you have to translate all of that? Really? And you could see his face. He looked really guilty there. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what, the one saving grace of all, all these shenanigans was that little moment in the press conference. So, uh, yeah. I mean, what do you feel about that, Joel? I mean, am I, am I off base? No, I, I, I went to great lengths before uh, you you spoke, and I said, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. I'm with you. I think this is devaluing. Look, I, I'm, I'm going to talk about New Japan in 2020. Look at the bigger picture here. They are trying a lot of new things, and some of it's working, but some of it isn't. And this is one of the things that isn't working. I, I, I applaud the the guts of them flipping the briefcase, but then they chickened out less than a day later. So it's like, I like the idea, but the execution was bad. Right. Yeah, I mean, I say all of what I said with a little asterisk at the end of, it's 2020, right? Um, that being said, though, it's, I, I just don't think Wrestle Kingdom main events should be this fucking... You know, I just think of the scene from Sonny, you know, <laughs> in the mailroom. There is no <laughs> uh, Carol or whatever the fuck. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I go with you, you. You want your Wrestle Kingdom main event to be the two, two guys go for top time. guys yep. in the top match, yep. and you're feeling that this is it. This is the pinnacle of the company. This is the Correct. best match you're going to see. At this moment. And you're trying to sort of weigh that against the, the complaints that it's been too predictable and that everything after G1 season is a dead period. And they've tried to mix it up a bit, but I'll, you know, I'll wait and see what happens. But I think we've laid out our concerns with this, especially if they're going to keep going forward with having double dome shows in the future. Because I, yeah, I don't think you can keep going with having a, a title defense on both nights. I, I think you've got to come up with something else. If Naito loses, I mean, come on. I mean, really? He's going to lose this fucking title at the Dome? I don't have a problem with him losing the title at the Dome. Really? He's had it for the best part of a year. I mean, how long do you but want to hold the he's done nothing with it. He's done nothing. He's wrestled. He's lost to Evil. He, he's he, won he it back at the, the stadium the show. Who's, who's been holding down the fort in a really turbulent year. 
And okay, I think he's done this... a tremendous job, and he's probably going to be my rest of the year, at least. And he's he's helped to get new people over. He's helped establish guys like Kenta as top level uh, opponents. He's helped establish Evo as a top guy. So let's so... take the title off of him. Well, I th- I just think you, they want to set up Ibushi as as what the next he's forty something years old. He's the same age as Naito. Okay, but uh, all right, are you are we really comparing Ibushi and Naito's popularity? Well, I mean, who knows? Maybe Ibushi loses on January fourth. Okay, right. Then he's then he looks like a boob, Chief J. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Does anybody really want that? All right. So what you're saying is this is a lose-lose situation. Someone's a, coming yep. out of Wrestle Kingdom looking like a boob. That is what I'm trying to say. This is boob kingdom. Booby kingdom. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Well, let, let's, let me, Booby kingdom. Let, let me take that energy and, and know that sort of discussion point and bring it into main event. I'm going to talk for a long time here. So strap yourself in. So we take have our sixth match. This is the IWGP Heavyweight and IWGP Intercontinental Double Championship match. The champion, Tetsuya Naito, with his first successful defense, equaling his, uh, his record of defenses with the title against Evil in 33 minutes and 8 seconds with the Destino. Uh, in defense of the Jay Ibushi shot, I think that did play into this main event and added to the tension because I thought Evil had a legitimate chance of winning here. So... That said, this match took me a while after it happened for me to wrap my head around it because I've got a lot to say about it. I'm going to talk about the match first and then step back for a big picture look at what I think this match tells us about New Japan in 2020, about the product. Because in ring, I thought it was a very good match between Evil and Naito. I think it was probably the best of their four with a load of angles sprinkled into the closing stretch. So in terms of just the bits that had Naito wrestling Evil, I thought it was really good. Naito brought... All the energy and the passion that Sonata didn't when they had their block final. And I think Naito did justice to this deeply personal feud. He, he was more mobile. He was more energetic. He was ruthless and, and aggressive. You could see it in the closing stretch of the match where he's just laying into Evil with those nasty elbows. Really putting a beating on this guy who's betrayed him. And I thought Evil brought more fight to this one too. I think he's starting to find a nice balance between heel Bullet Club Evil and the, the powerful brawler Evil of L.I.J., this felt more like a fight than their previous matches. However, also a lot of shenanigans, which individually made sense, but contributed to, in my opinion, a general sense of overbooking. It felt like a bunch of angles shoved into what was a good match. So we got the Udro bit. It's got some no-limit continuity, you know, when he and Naito were tag partners, and then Sonata makes a save from the local yacht club with his suave white outfit. He looked a million bucks. And that's setting up some stuff for World Tag League where Sonata and Shingo are going to face Evil and Yujiro on Saturday. Fine. Then we get Jay White teasing the attack on Evil, which I thought was genuinely thrilling and, and well executed where you think he's going to attack Evil and then he attacks Naito instead. Then eventually Ibushi makes the save because he's so angry with Jay White. So all of this stuff was logical, Damon, but it, it bordered on the farcical for me because I, I, I was laughing out loud seeing Sonata dragging two guys out of the arena and Ibushi chasing Jay White around like it was the fucking Benny Hill show. I mean, to be fair, it's only power struggle. It's, it's a B-level show. It's not exactly a flagship event. So I think, you know, comparing this with a, a, a you know, main event of Wrestle Kingdom or Dominion from yesteryear is not helpful. But I think it's a good moment to pause and step back and, and look at the big picture in New Japan. Because at, at times, 
I do feel this product is almost unrecognizable from the one that I started watching in 2017. Not mm. necessarily in a bad way. It just it feels at times strange and alien to me. So I got asked, like, what is New Japan Pro Wrestling now in November 2020? And, and like I said, I don't think it's helpful talking about what it was in the past or, or what we think it ought to be. We can only critically assess what's in front of us. So I don't think it's fair, for example, to judge 2020 New Japan against 2017 New Japan because the world's changed. And, and, and let's look at what New Japan is right now because they're between eras in the middle of a global pandemic, right? No. The Okada, Naito, Kenny, Tanahashi era, that's done. So now they need to get guys like Jay White, Sonata, Evil, Will Ospreay, etc. to the top table. And to do that, things are going to have to get a bit crazy, especially in a year where we've lost a ton of shows because of COVID. And the travel restrictions mean that some stuff has had to be switched around. A lot of it has been accelerated. So some of these angles that might have had a bit more time to breathe have been smash bang wallop in a way that has made many people's heads spin, myself included. So, for example, like Evil winning New Japan Cup joining Bullet Club, turning into a brand new character, becoming IWGP champion. Will Ospreay turning heel, turning on Okada, uh, another new character, and starting a new faction. Sonata reaching a, a G1 final. Jay White flipping the briefcase for the first time ever. Ibushi with his G1 records. Even the stuff like we talked about earlier, Tanahashi becoming a dad. Uh, we've had two young lions returning this year. Each of those things that I just mentioned are, are huge events in their own right, but we've had them compressed into the space of a few months a few weeks in some cases a few hours there's a lot of big shit happening really quick it's been an absolute roller coaster some of it's been well executed some of it hasn't and the, the company obviously feel that they need these guys fast track to the top of the card in a way that might look and feel rushed because of all those reasons i've mentioned and one symptom of that that lots of people have lamented is the, the increase in the frequency of the the shenanigans they have gone up that's indisputable there are too many ref bumps and they often look ridiculous, especially when they involve red shoes. So if you hate all of that and you want a pure product with more clean finishes, that's fair enough. I don't wholly disagree. I don't hate it as much as others, but I think it'd have more impact if they did it less frequently. But I do think where we might have sacrificed, you know, your melts of five-star classics and clean finishes, I think we've made up for in character development and storylines and drama. And this New Japan is more exciting to me. We've bitched and moaned, Damon, for, for years about the G1 layout being predictable. Not this year. We moaned about the, the post-G1 title defences and briefcase defences being predictable. That you know, post-G1 season's a dead spot. Not this year. We've moaned about the lack of new factions and movement between factions. Not this year. We've moaned about the tag titles being meaningless. Not this year. We've moaned about the same guys in the main event scene again and again. Not this year. So, like it or not, New Japan... Have, have ripped up the playbook this year and given us something truly unpredictable and exciting. And I don't think it swears for the sake of it. This is not like WCW in, in the year 2000. I think every single one of these twists and turns makes sense for the characters involved and, and their motivations. They've been foreshadowed. I think they've been executed mostly in a, a really thrilling manner. Hasn't been perfect. There's certainly room for improvement. And I think evil is a good case in point of that. And okay. I think we need to compare apples with apples here. So, I want to look at this match compared to other post-G1 title defences. So, like, 2017, King of Pro Wrestling, we had Okada versus Evil. Very good match. Nice clean finish. I felt nothing. 2020, Naito versus Evil. I was on the edge of my seat for this match, Damon. I, I genuinely thought Evil was going to win and face Jay White in the main event of the Tokyo Dome. And, yeah, there are a lot of run-ins and shenanigans, maybe a bit too much. But if you take all of those out, 
are you left with something better if Naito just beats Evil clean in the middle of the ring? I don't necessarily think so. And let's be honest here, Evil having all these interference spots and ref bumps, this is Baby's first heel training wheels. They are a, a dramatic crutch that the bookers of this company feel are necessary to get Evil over as a serious threat. Personally, I think there are better ways they could have done it, but he's not the first newly turned heel to have that. Uh, Kenta, for example. Kenta had that when he first turned. When he challenged for Ibushi's briefcase last September, that had a G.O.D. run in. It had Ishii and Yoshihashi making the save. But now Kenta's established as a, a top heel. He doesn't need that anymore. I, I mean, like last week, I spoke about Kanemaru and what a great heel he is. And he's been doing that job for 20 years, right? Evil's been doing it for three months. He's not going to have Dick Togo But it's forever. not rocket so, scientist, Joe. I mean, I mean tur- you're a pro wrestler. I mean, I, I understand the fact that we want to, you know, make it seem like it's fucking trigonometry. You're a heel. What's your motivation? You're, you're a pro wrestler. It's not like Watanabe, you know, this is his first time in a, in a fucking ring. And he's learning from some of the best. Look, I, mean, look, I, thing- I, I don't disagree with you. I think if if we still have Dick Togo uh, garroting spots in 2022, I'll take that L. But my gut says this is a short-term solution to, to get him over as a top heel in a, in a crazy year. And judging by this main event, I think it's working because I thought he was going to win. And if you just listen to the reactions of the crowd during this match, they're, they're screaming. Yeah. Crap, clap clouds be damned. Osaka didn't give a fuck. On Saturday, each one of those moments, Yudro fucking over his old partner, Sonata making the save, Jay getting involved, Ibushi cleaning house, the crowd were going nuts. If you take away all of those spots, what are you left with? Is it inherently better by stripping away those run-ins? I don't know. I think you'd be left with a very good Naito versus Evil match where Naito wins, but then you, you forget it immediately. I, I think this was exciting and it was memorable. A bit silly, yeah, but I, I, had, I was entertained. I was laughing at each new twist and turn. And to, that's more, I think, than can be said for Okada versus Evil in 2017 or the, the Kenny Ibushi Cody three-way in 2018 or even Okada versus Sanada last year at King of Pro Wrestling did nothing for me. The matches, they had nice clean finishes, but they're predictable. They failed to uh, uh, elicit any genuine emotion from me. And, and arguably the biggest pop of the night was Jay White teasing that attack on Evil. And I think that's proof of concept for the elevation of both guys because that feels like a big money match now. So yeah, I agree with you. 2020 New Japan, it might feel messy and overbooked relative to previous years. There's a lot of stuff I don't like that I think could be improved. But they are taking risks, and, and it is making me feel something, Damon. There's, you know, the, the whole range of emotions, dread and excitement, uncertainty, uh, betrayal, heartbreak, justice, revenge, despair. I, I felt more storyline ups and downs with New Japan this year than 2017 to 2019 combined. And yeah, I mean, the star ratings might not be as high for many, but you've got to ask yourself what you're watching for. If you're largely in it for that purism and the five-star classics, I get you, you might not like it as much as before, don't let anyone tell you you're wrong for feeling that. That's legit. But I don't think it's going to last forever. I, I think there's a lot of crazy shit happening in a short space of time to get us through this transitional period in the middle of a global crisis. I can only speak for myself. While the bell-to-bell quality might be learned in previous years, there are way more shenanigans. New Japan are taking risks. They're not all landing, for sure. They're making mistakes, but at least they're trying something. They're, they are planning for the future, and I just think we all need to be a bit more patient. Okay. And, that, and, and I agree with a lot of your points. Um, the one thing in the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. 
until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash VOWnet. Arenaclub.com slash VOWnet for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Though, that is missing from the equation of the drama and the and the and the building of the stars and all that that's different from where we have been before is match quality that's that's what we're missing that's what people are complaining about that feeling in their heart and in their stomach and in their chest of oh my god I'm watching something fucking tremendous I'm watching a great pro wrestling match because that's why a lot of people are tuning in and tuning in to this product. Yes, we want the storylines. Yes, we want the swerve that we did not see coming and oh my god, this is great. Yes, we do want oh my god, I did not know I you know, I didn't expect that or I don't know who's going to win and that's what makes pro wrestling great. Yes, but when you remove from the equation that great pro wrestling, 
that we have not seen in, in a long time here, that's where the complaints come. And we're replacing that with an amplification of run-ins, swerves, ref bumps, uh, convoluted booking to get us from point A to point B. Um, guys at the top, and let's be honest here, that a lot of people don't trust to give you that pro wrestling feel it in your heart match because they haven't delivered so yes all those things that on the surface of why we love pro wrestling yes they're taking chances yes they're being ballsy yes they're doing it in a time that no one else you know has really been able to flourish uh yes they're doing it and and they had the guts to do it and i applaud them for that there's a missing component here though and that missing component are the matches. Because at the end of the day, no one is going... Joel, we're going to sit here and do match of the year. And and it, this is going to be like no other year when we talk about match of the year. Because usually, I got a laundry list. We got to have a conversation of, okay, we can't put 30 fucking matches in this thing for people to vote on. I'm not. We just can't do it. Joel, I don't even think we're going to hit the 15 mark. You think we're going to have 15 matches that are going to be worthy of match of the year? Not, oh, I, I really like this match. I don't give a shit if you really like this. That's not a that doesn't, that's not a criteria for match of the year. We're going to have 15 at best. At best. That's the problem. That's why people are, are not feeling shows are important anymore. That's why people are texting me saying, ugh, uh, did I miss anything? That's why people are... Look, uh, that's why I'm looking at reviews, and it's like, good, but not great. Because the people that came here, came here for that reason. Now, more people have come, and they have come for different reasons, but a lot of people came here for this product specifically because they wanted to feel it in their fucking heart when they turned off a show and say, wow. I mean, the phrase pants down came from watching matches. It didn't come from fucking evil ref-bumping red shoes all day long. This show, while it has changed and it has grown, it's about the love of what goes on in the ring. And I can hear people's complaints, and I get them. Yes, and again, but, but, and again I'm saying... You're 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 absolutely correct. Where we are right now, all the things that they've been able to do and the guts that it takes, it can be very easy to keep the same fucking guys on top. And let's just do it. Yes, it can be. The problem is, is that we're missing a key component, and I don't think that key component. We've had good matches. We we have. And I know people can be like, "That's a, that was a great match." This, okay, we we haven't. We haven't. You think Okada's had a great year? No. Do you think Shingo has had a great year? He's had a real good year. I think he's had better years. Suzuki? I mean, he's had a comeback year. Sure. Do you think Jay White is a guy that's going to give you a Wrestle Kingdom main event, Joel? Not in his current incarnation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he better change that incarnation in a fucking couple months. 
Because there's going to be a show on the 5th of fucking January that people are going to watch and they're going to sit there and gonna, either they're going to say, I, I don't trust it. Or they're going to watch and they're going to be like, okay, can you just give me it once? Yeah, that, that is going to be the acid test, isn't it? If by yeah. Wrestle Kingdom 15, I, I think that show is going to be a big reset button. And I think we will be back to normal by the time that show's done. And we'll have the New Japan that, you know, the, the consensus most people know and love. So we'll wait and see. If that the main event on January 5th is a shenanigans, bullshit filled, you know, four and a quarter star match, then. Yes, we got then I think that's a red flag. Yep. And here's the thing. We got Okada Osprey, which on paper sounds delicious. And you would you would normally say, okay, this is a slam dunk going to be a great match. Are you a little concerned going into this match? Yeah, because I don't know what this Will Osprey is yet. But I don't know what this time, Okada is. Ibushi Naito is the main event for January 4th. That's guaranteed to deliver, surely. You would hope. You would hope. I, I think so. I think, it, again, if you're going off of past performances, yes. But my only flaw with that is, is that that is not a fresh matchup at all. Yeah, when was the last time we saw it? It was Dominion 2019, right? So it's been, it will be 18 months since the last one. Okay. Feels like yesterday. We've seen a lot of them, haven't we? Madison Square Garden... It just seems like we've seen a lot of them. Seems like we've seen a lot of them. Not fresh to me. And then again, we got it. I don't know, man. I I I think I I think it explained my concerns, and I think it explained a lot of people's concerns. And I feel like we're like the McLaughlin group in the sense of <laughs> yeah, sometimes you're heavy on the on on the storyline and all that, and I'm the guy that's like kind of representing the fucking match quality guys. And I feel like sometimes we butt heads at that. And that's, I think that's what makes a good show, to be quite honest. But I'm concerned, man. I, I told you. at the I texted you. I said at the end of that show, I turned that off. And I was like, is, is this fucking shit for me anymore? Because I don't know. I, I, it, I have concerns going into Wrestle Kingdom. And I don't think I've ever really, not for a long time, had concerns going in to Wrestle Kingdoms. Yeah, I hear you. I share those concerns as well. I'm not hand-waving all of that. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say everything's been perfect this year because it hasn't. There's been a lot of stuff that I haven't liked. I'm just, uh, yeah, like I said, uh, urging patience and let's wait and see what happens at Wrestle Kingdom. You know, when we get back to full crowds who are allowed to cheer again, then I, I think we might start seeing more of what we love. When we, we've got guys like Will Ospreay, Jay White, etc., established as top, main event talents. I mean, it's just the way New Japan restocks the bench, isn't it? Like a guy like Kenny Omega leaves and then they're thinking, right, who have we got who can replace that? And they're looking at Will Ospreay as the guy who can eventually be moving up into that spot. So I just think it's been a, a, a difficult year and things have been crazy. Things have been rushed and we, I think New Japan have earned the right to have us as fans give them a bit of time to work things out. As long as the check clears. <laughs> I'll be willing. <laughs> I'll be willing to to do that. Um, do you think it was a conscious decision, though? Because again, we talk a lot about the, the the big stars maybe having an off year. Do you think it's it's a conscious decision of of either the talent or management to say, you know what, 
well, guys, don't don't go out there and kill yourselves um, working as hard as you can in front of a half-empty building. Save, you know, save some of this shit. Save your career because um, you're not really wrestling for gates and and ticket sales at this point. Take it, take it down a notch or two, and you know, see you in 2021. Do you think that was a conscious decision? Well, you look around all other professional sports where they are doing it in, you know, empty arenas, and it's nowhere near uh, at the level that it was with full crowds. How how can it be? Yeah. If you were a professional athlete, Damon, are I you am. going to be putting in the? <laughs> you are a professional athlete. Are you putting in the same level of effort in? a half full arena where people are clapping to uh, a fully jam packed arena where everyone's screaming your name. Right. Right. Yeah. I, uh, and I also, know. I mean, t- tell me a company that, that are putting on absolute barn burners in 2020, apart from NXT UK. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I get Everything's it. Everything's taken a bit of a dip. Not just pro wrestling. I think all sport. Everything is just. It's come down a notch. It's a fucking global pandemic. Let's fucking hate this shit. I, I'm not. I'm not ready to hit the panic button just yet. All right, I'm over this foot though. All right. Can can we do? Let me ask you this. All right. Well, let's talk about vaccine. Yes or no? Vaccine walks up, knocks on your door. The actual vaccine guy just as a pill. <laughs> um, but you get my point. Uh, tomorrow. Are you taking it? Yeah, why not? Okay. Yeah, why not? 90% efficacy. I like those odd statements. <laughs> yeah, me too. And by the way, I've taken worse things for me. I've taken things where there's no health benefit whatsoever. In fact, it's probably going to hurt me. So, uh, yeah, why not? Let's try it. Let's do it. All right, very good. We're all uh, abusing drugs. All right, what else is on the docket, Joel? <laughs> Uh, let's look at the World Tag League lineups. So we have our 10 teams in our single block format. We have Tanahashi and the returning Hinare. We have the returning Juice Robinson and David Finley. Finjuice are back. We've got Goto and Yoshihashi, Ishii and Yano, Shingo and Sanada, Dangerous Tekas, Taichi and Zack Sabre Jr., Gorillas of Destiny are back, Tamatonga, Tangaloa, Evil and Yujiro. Uh, Bad Luck Farley's back. Farley teaming up with Chase Owens. And then we have Great Okan and X. Wow. So, the band X getting back together. That's great <laughs> news, Billy Idol. <laughs> Count out points is which AW roster member is X and why is yeah. it Brandon Cutler? No, it's, um, what's his name? Orange Cassidy. So Orange Cassidy. It's not yeah, Orange Cassidy. <laughs> uh, I don't know who this could be. Maybe Jeff Cobb. I, a, a lot of people are saying Jeff Cobb. But why would you not debut him in the Empire with a big angle if he's still in Japan? Rather, I, I guess this is going to be revealed on the show on Sunday when this team comes out. But have you got any... Hot takes about who you think X might be? Jeff Cobb's probably the, the hottest of the, of the hot takes, but, I mean, no one really knows, and we haven't heard. So Jeff Cobb's a good guess, I would say, right? I like looking at this lineup and seeing, like, okay, who's got what going on here, you know? Um, Zach and Taichi aren't winning it. They're the champs. Uh, I can't see Yujiro and, and Evil moving on. I can't see Fale and Chase moving on. Uh, Goto and Yoshi Hashi have uh, never six-man titles, so they can do other things. Um, who's coming out of this? Hanari and, and, and Tanahashi aren't coming out of this thing. So it's what? Juice, Finley, and uh, 
and uh, Tamatanga and Tangaloa, right? Yeah, I, I do like the look of the Shingo Sonata team, but Shingo's got his never open way title. That's not to say they can't pull double duty and, and mm. have one on one. I mean, I, again, I I just think that's a good tag team. I'm looking forward to seeing Shingo and Sonata against Zack and Taichi. I think there's some really good teams here. There's some that I'm hand waving, you know, Evil, Yujiro, Farlane Chase. I haven't really got much time for that, but I think this, this is a. Um, definitely a Fale looks down. good yeah Fale lost a lot of weight okay he might be ready to go here alright well I'll, I'll be shooting star press from Fale <laughs> I mean, what do you think of this star. lineup is this a lineup that makes you excited to watch World Tag League because it's not like the big bloated um, you know 18 team behemoth that it has been in, in previous years so it's kind of yeah like I said it's slimmed down it's I think there's seven really good teams in here Here's, here's your saving grace. You got guys that are coming back. This is going to be the first time they've been back since Dash. So as much as we like to hand wave World Tag League during normal times, you got guys who this is their first time in a New Japan ring in a long time. Fale, Hinare, uh, Finley. Uh, I'm going down the lineup here. But, 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 even G.O.D., you know, in a... You know, New Japan, Japan ring. Uh, Chase Fale. So, so you got guys who, you know, who might have some working shoes on. So it might be a little bit more interesting than normal. Uh, it is slimmed down. So you don't have the bloat that you did in, in years past. I like it. Um, again, I can't say that it's super exciting in the sense of, you know, there's going to be teams that are just by what they might have on their plates, Wrestle Kingdom time. But I think it'd be good. Uh, I think it'd be, honestly, I think it'd be just like every other tournament we've seen this year, where we'll see stuff that is easily skippable, and then sprinkled in there, we'll have some smattering of pretty decent matches, pretty good matches. Um, And maybe, maybe one match that will rise above them all and be like, oh, that was really fucking good. Um, that's that's my expectations for a World Tag League. So the final would be the, the teams ranked number one and number two facing each other. Have you got a feel for who you think those teams might be? Because just off the top of my head, maybe a G.O.D. Finjuice rematch would be appropriate. Yeah, or t- like Tai Chi and Zach, you know, just to have them lose the finals to the team that the, then that will then challenge. So maybe they get their win back. I don't know. Um I kind of think Juice and Finley will be in the mix. It'll give Juice something to do. It'll give Finley something to do. Um, or G.O.D. Like, I think those, to me, those are the two odds on. So a final, I would probably think Zach and Tai Chi, Juice, Finley. Um, I mean, that does leave G.O.D. with not much to do come Wrestle Kingdom. But I just can't see a, um, a Tai Chi, Zach, G.O.D. match. I think we'll see. I think we need a definitive heel face in that type of matchup at Wrestle Kingdom. So I'll go with Juice of Finley. Do you think it's fair to say that whilst Dangerous Techers and to a large extent Golden Aces have done a really good job elevating the prestige of the heavyweight tag titles, the tag division as a whole is still pretty weak? Um, I just think that 
there's not a lot of undercard tag teams that that help fill out the mix. Um, and there's not a lot of emphasis on them. It's usually just one team that goes for the titles and then they leave the scene and then another one comes on and, and it's, it's that. So there's really no development of other tag teams underneath those that are challenging for the titles. They're out doing other things. Um, it's always been a struggle, right? Even though we have interesting stuff at the top, there's, there's really nothing going on down the bottom. Interesting note, no Tenkozy, right? Yeah, no GBH either, so... Yeah. Uh, no Yuji Nagata so a lot of the yeah the the older fellas the dads are, are not there this year and I I said on Twitter I'm, I'm, you know all those when I was you know having a laugh uh, not at the expense of um, Dark Order I keep forgetting their name but you know they were they were having a laugh as well they were having a bit of fun I was having a bit of fun and then people were saying oh what because you know it's, we've got to protect the integrity of the World Tag League so uh Tenzan can wrestle it. Well, now Tenzan's not in it, so I hope you're happy because I'm not. Yeah, I like Tenkoji. Me too. Pricks. <laughs> uh, all right, and then what else? We got Super J Cup, or what are we talking? Where are we going now? Yeah, uh, we got the brackets for the Super J Cup now. All right, so we-, we will be having Clark Connors versus Chris Bay to face the winner of ACH versus TJP, and then the other side of the bracket we got Ray Horace against Blake Christian. And then El Fantasmo versus Leo Rush. So that's quite a big match in the opening round with ELP versus Leo Rush. So just looking at that. I like this. I do like it. This is this there's some good talent in here. Maybe what El Fantasmo ACH final? That'd be fun. I would I, I would I would go for that. Yeah, I mean I think it's a this is a slam dunk El Fantasma, right? I think so. I think it's you know, give him a big win, bit of shine, get him reestablished, and then flying back in for Wrestle Kingdom. And yeah. I, I like my idea. Oh, other people have suggested it as well of having the the two junior tournament winners face off on night one, and then the winner challenge Ishimori for the title on night two. Yeah, I think that's. I like this. It's it feels like a like a Super J Cup. It's I mean slimmed down, but I love the idea of them bringing in other talent from you know different promotions or or, or at least representing different promotions. Um, in this, I mean, again, it's we're not bringing in all Japan, Noah, you know, we, we can't. Um, we're not bringing in AEW. Uh, but I like the fact, and again, we got a little bit of uh, impact, we got a little bit of uh, MLW, we got a little bit of Ring of Honor. I like this little LA dojo. I, I think, and it's one night, right? Yes, yeah, and I always so the- enjoy things like that, you know, like a. Well, the Super J Cup of yesteryear, um, the British J Cup that RevPro do. There's always something mm-hmm. you, you get a bit, a very unique buzz about having a one night tournament. It kind of reminds me of like the early UFC events. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah, ACH TJP could be really good. Clark Connors and, and Chris Bay could be really good. <laughs> hear my Siri <laughs> I was wondering who that was uh, okay we've got some questions actually about Super J Cup uh, Webhead oh, says it's a two part question do you think the Japanese fans are excited about the Super J Cup as much as they would be for best of Super Juniors and do the Japanese fans know the likes of Chris Bay and other participants in the cup so are they rated highly like uh, the likes of Hiromu or are they in the master Watto bracket of popularity in the eyes of Japanese fans uh, I, I suspect uh, they don't know a great deal yeah. about um well, to be fair, I mean, I'm just showing my own ignorance. I don't know much about Chris yeah. Bay, so is it fair to expect the Japanese fans to know much about me? They're probably not. I, I would guess they don't know 
a great deal about guys like Chris Bay, Ray Horace, Leo Rush. They they probably they might know Ray Horace. They might. I mean, but here's the thing. I, I mean, you're, you're talking a, a, a pro wrestling fan who's you know passionate about pro wrestling. Like a casual fan's not going to know that. I, and again, a casual fan in the states are they going to be too familiar with these some of these guys? Um, and it's and again, we're talking like we know the Japanese audience like the back of our fucking hands. I, I would say you got to. I would say on the surface, you would need to be a a real solid pro wrestling fan to know and appreciate the talents that these guys bring to the table. Um, and I would say the same thing if you're living in the United States. Yeah, like, do you think a casual watcher of AEW or WWE is going to know any of these guys besides just Rush? What I want now is a Leo Rush versus Rush match to see who's <laughs> who's, who's going to have the rights to the name <laughs> against former uh, Liverpool striker Ian Rush. They can have a three way right. and Getty Lee. <laughs> Of the band Rush. Uh, okay, Sarah says, which of the three upcoming tournaments are you most excited for? Also, if you heard the Voices of Wrestling flagship guys rank the 18 men in Best of Super Juniors and Super J Cup, if so. They have a lot of fucking time on their hands. They have a lot of fucking time on their hands, those two, right? Apparently. They got a kid. That kid probably hasn't eaten in four weeks while Joe, uh, Joe's sitting there fucking watching grimy indie pro wrestling from Japan, sitting there crying. <sighs> I think I think Joe Lanza is a good father. Let me just go on the record and say that, all right, before I get the tweets. Um, what's the question? What what am I doing? Uh, which <laughs> which tournament are you most excited for? Oh, okay. <sighs> Got to be best of Super Juniors, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and then, then and then Super Junior uh, ranking. So so what they did on flagship is they ranked all eighteen of those guys. I'm obviously not going to ask you to do that. Give, give me a top three. So if you mix together the best of super juniors and world tag league uh uh super j cup fields uh-huh who who are your top guys in order who do i like watching or who do i think are the best the best mm. um hiromo's on that list i think ishimori's high on that list i think show is high on that list i mean that's my top three right there um i think ach might be in the, my top five um I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody off the top of my head. How's that? How's that for five? Yeah, I think I, I would definitely have definitely. I mean, show show is top three, right? Hiromu show ACH would would be up there. Yeah, I think I I'd probably higher on a guy like Desperado than others. I would I would have Desperado. I think Ray Horace is pretty well. good. I, I, very good. I think El Fantasmo is good at, w- at what he does. Uh. I think you can go. Ah, I mean, and, and again, we're selling short Clark Connors here. I'm not ranking all 18. I'll, I'll have a headache. Um, who's who's the bottom? Mm, who's the bottom? <sighs> Taguchi. <laughs> really? I don't. I don't. Uh, I get. Well, I suppose if you rank in terms of your enjoyment, if he's not. If he's being silly, Taguchi, I can I can see that, yeah. And but I'm, tap on the shoulder, Taguchi is a top. Tap on the shoulder, Taguchi is good. But okay, what did we see that once a year? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, God Almighty, what do you want from me? I got to sit through a whole fucking year of his nonsense. 
shooting his ass everywhere just to get through one match? What do you want from me? I'm fucking old. I don't have much time on this earth. I don't have time for this. Watching this guy point his ass. <laughs> point at the sky with his rugby hat and his ball. <laughs> Who gives a shit? <laughs> All right. Well, let, let's have a look at the... We got, we'll have two shows to talk about when we next meet next Tuesday. So Sunday, we have Yano and Ishii versus Owens and Fale. Then we got Eagles versus Doki. They were going at it on Twitter, which was quite funny. Doki's uh, fuck you or something to wow. Eagles, which is very funny. Uh, then we got Hinari Tanahashi versus Okan and X. So by the third match on Sunday, we'll know who X is. Then we got Sho versus Bushi. Then Yoshihashi and Goto versus Zack and Taichi. Then Watto versus Kanemaru. So Watto out for revenge for the summer mm. struggle. Then Sanada Shingo versus Yujiro and Evil. Toguchi against Despi. Finjuice against G.O.D. And Hiromu versus Taiji Ishimori. So I think there's quite sexy matches at the top of that card. Not bad. Can I change my Taguchi pick and, and remove the disrespect I showed Taguchi and put it on to the Master Watto? Master Watto might be at the bottom of my list. Yeah, I think Joe Rich put him at the bottom as well. I, I haven't seen enough from him to be able to strongly disagree with that. Um, okay, and then on Monday we've got Oh, we've got a Young Lions match. We've got Yotsuji against Gabriel Kidd. And then we've got G.O.D. versus Owens and Farley. So we've got an intra-bullet club match there. We're going to be seeing a lot of those. Uh, Yoshihashi and Goto against Okan and X. Finjuice mm-hmm. against Yujiro and Evil. Yano and Ishii against Sanada Shingo. And then the main event is Hinari and Tanahashi versus Dangerous Techers. That should be pretty good. That should be good. Um, yeah. But um, I think, I mean, Sunday's card is a lot sexier because you've got the mix of World Tag League and Best of the Super Juniors. And I like that. I'm excited for that. The ones that are just World Tag League look a bit dry, but I'm sure the the, the mains and the co-mates will be good. I agree as I chew on my vitamins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so here we go. We go straight back into the, the tournament cycle of hardcore New Japan viewership. Uh, there's also a couple of, sh- well, I say big shows coming up on Strong. We have uh, the two-part showdown events so starting this Friday and the following Friday so we're going to have Blake Christian and ACH versus Adrian Quest and Alex Zane Fred Rosser against Tom Lawler that should be an interesting match Carl Fredericks Brody King Juice Robinson against Chase Owens Tangaloa and Jay White and then PJ Black versus Tamatonga and then the following week we'll have the DKC and Clark Connors against the Regal Twins Logan and Sterling Regal Rocky Romero against Russ Taylor Jeff Cobb against JR Kratos and then the main event will be the US heavyweight right to challenge contract match between David Finley and Kenta. Um, oh, that's just reminding me of something, actually. Um, on the Super J Cup, they said they're going to have Renderita back in action. And a lot of people oh. thinking that it would be strange to fly Renderita out for that. Now, my understanding, actually, I don't think he ever left LA. I think he's been there the whole time, but all his matches have been untelevised. Um, I haven't got a source for that, but that, that was just my impression. I wouldn't... It wouldn't make any sense to fly back just for a, a strong show, would it? I, I would think not, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, these, these excursions are usually dark excursions, aren't they? So to me, it, it would make sense for Renderita to have been working a load of matches in LA, mm-hmm. but none of them actually making tape. Right, right. That would make sense. Um, what was my point? Completely lost it. Okay, move on. <laughs> okay uh all right well so yeah lo- lots of stuff to look forward to there um i'm not going to pick apart the the schedule for the matches and best of the super juniors because 
I don't have a feel for it anymore because uh, in pre- years gone by, you could look at the final matches and think, oh yeah, well this telegraphs that so-and-so and so-and-so are going to be in the finals, but I'm not sure you can do that this year after you know our G1 picks went tits up. Uh, I'm right. not sure how much information one can glean from looking at the, the finals of this uh, best of Super or World Tag League. I mean, let's I'll, I'll get it up just for posterity yeah, yeah, let's so see. if there's anything that's yeah. jumping out. I'll read this, the lineup. So this would be Sunday, this Sunday, December 6th at Fukuoka. And remember, it'll be number one and number two in both tournaments going off to face each other at Budokan Hall the following week. So uh, here are the matches on that final night in Fukuoka. So we got Hinari and Tanahashi versus G.O.D. You think G.O.D. is still mm. in the mix there? Maybe Hinari and Tanahashi trying to play spoiler. Then right. we've got Finjuice against Yoshihashi and Goto. I could see that being a, a de facto playoff for one of the top yep. spots. Uh, yep. Yano Ishii against Dangerous Techers. Maybe Yano Ishii playing spoiler there. Stopping I mean, Yano, Yano's been in there a lot with Zach, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. All right. Then Yujiro Evil against Chase and Farley. I don't think that's going to be a factor. Uh, no. Sonata Shingo against Okan and X. Now, depending on who X is, that that could mean something that much. So, yeah, it's quite difficult to call on the World Tag League side. Every time you say X, I think of an awful Kiss song called, and I'm going to say it, it, Kiss is one of those bands, Joel, that um, I love the tunes, but I hate the lyrics. They're so, like like a 12-year-old boy wrote them. Uh, let's put the X in sex. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try that line on my wife tonight. See how far it gets me. <laughs> yeah. Let me know how you make out. Uh, okay. So, on the best of Super Juniors side, we will have Taguchi against Doki, Watto against Hiromu. Now, that's an interesting one because that mm. might suggest that Watto is still in the mix or maybe he's playing spoiler. Who knows? Uh, Show against Ishimori, Robbie Eagles against Kanemori, and Bushi versus El Desperado. So, from that lineup, have you got a, a feel for who you think could be? coming out one and two going through to the finals at Budokan do you think um, who show got shows got Ishimori yes Oof. I'm thinking the Hiromu show final that'd be fucking awesome uh, yeah I'm yeah I'm looking at that too that as that'd a be- final if we get Hiromu versus show in the the main event at Budokan Hall best of Super Juniors final that's got potential for Lots of snowflakes. It certainly does. I mean, on paper. And Show's had a good year. His New Japan Cup was pretty exciting. We were into that. Remember that? That was and the never you know stuff too. Pretty good. That's sexy. I, I got I'm truth be told, the prospect of that. That might that might I might that might be number one on my list of what I'm looking forward to in the next couple of months. Yeah, that 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 will be good. That will be good. All right, I'm glad we got you back on on the hype train. I'm back for wrestling. <laughs> I've done my job. Yeah. Uh, okay. Maybe time for a few questions. Uh, oh, all right, a couple. Says uh, gig me uh, gig me like a butcher. Says. Joel, which in New Japan does do you most look up to as a father? Well, he's not technically a dad, but Hiroki Goto just looks like a great dad. Um, and Yuji Nagata as well. I think uh, he, he put some good stuff on social media. I can imagine him being a, a, a good father as well. So there, there'd be two examples there. Um, New Japan dad bods. Oh, lots of questions about me being a dad. 
Uh, since being a father is such a big highlight for you this year, have you picked your go-to dad jokes yet? And can we get a Stinger segment for dad jokes with Joel? I don't have a dad joke because Esther doesn't understand my jokes. But what I did today, which she thought was hilarious, was me um, mimicking Street Fighter 2 moves on her. Huh? Uh, you could you can see this on Instagram. If you go on Instagram yes! now, Damon, you'll be able to see it, which is okay. me uh, miming doing Hadouken attacks on Esther, and she just finds it the funniest thing in the world. She is. I can see her. Oh, there. there yep, you got it. Turn this up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> So give me another one, Dad. I won that face. I won the fight. <laughs> that is adorable. I look forward to these fucking things all day long. Keep them coming. That's the content we're here for. Looks yeah, good. Right. Right. As soon as she's old enough for us to start doing New Japan finishing moves, that, that'll be the, when the real fun stuff comes. Uh, okay, Base Collector says, would you be pumped to see Okan versus Ishimori? Just two cool dead guys stumbling towards the ring sounds good to me yeah girl, sign me up uh, okay uh, Ian says that statement from New Japan about the number of fans they've had since resuming is it likely that it's an attempt to increase the number of fans allowed in Tokyo Dome I don't think they'll be increased by Tokyo Dome I think Tokyo Dome is pretty set on being 20k but beyond that I, I hear rumblings that they might be, be trialling and letting in more fans maybe even full capacity I still think it's going to be clap crowds I don't think we're going to be having uh, full noise crowds but I think to get by that they should just have all New Japan events in the Edion Arena in Osaka because those fans are fucking yeah. great yeah they are great aren't they they don't give a they... shit do they <laughs> I mean I, I mean, I mean, they, they, I mean they... don't give a shit in, in terms of they've been asked to be quiet and they're like nah fuck that <laughs> to a certain degree I mean they're, they they try and hold it in but there's certain points where they're just like they can't they gotta let it go um Again, I don't, ever, I, don't, I, I don't think it could humanly be possible here in the United States to, to pull that off, to have people in the crowd and just have people just sit there. We can't even do that in a, in a, in a Walmart, let alone a fucking sporting event. So eh, we're fucked. But yeah, I, I love that arena. I love those fans. They're the best. Mark says, does Naito winning both matches at Wrestle Kingdom cement his legend status? And why <laughs> won't Gedo let it happen? And what big names do you expect to miss out on a big match at Wrestle Kingdom? Shingo, Ishii, Taichi, Suzuki. Barely got a look in at Wrestle Kingdom 14. I mean, we, we talked about my worries with Naito. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's a guarantee that this, this guy... I mean, who do you, who do you toss into the fire? You're tossing Kodo, you're tossing Naito. Um, to me, it sounds like Kodo's winning this belt. I, I don't see how you have him, how you don't. Without, without, I mean, again, you're, you're tossing him in the fire if you, if you don't. So, um, what was the second part of the question? I'm sorry, Joel. Uh, big names that are going to miss out on Wrestle Kingdom stuff. I think Suzuki has had such a good year, it would be a shame not to give him something meaningful yeah. at Wrestle Kingdom so if he doesn't have anything good then I'll be sad um, I think Shingo will have something he'll defend a never um, hmm. I hope it's against Tanahashi because I'm trying to think of what the fuck's Tanahashi going to do because I think a lot of us were kind of looking at a, an Ibushi Tanahashi match and it still might happen but I'm, I'm, that's one question mark. I mean, he's obviously going to be on the show, but in a reasonably big spot. But 
Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know exactly where he's fitting in right now. Bork says, any chance we'll see Naruto and Umino back post-G1? It seems odd they're not showing up in New Japan Strong or RevPro and Suji Uemura have been calling them out in promos. Well, we talked about Naruto already, but what do you think about the possibility of X being Shota Umino? Hmm. I don't think it's a good fit for a heel faction. He's, he's, you know, he's a good, good-looking young right. baby face. I would say less than 20% probably closer to fifteen ten. Uh I, I still think it's a, a Jeff Cobb. You know. But you know, we'll see. But I don't think it's him. John says after seeing some of Barrett Brown, what do you think of our Texas boy since he's the unofficial pick of Uncle Damon? I'm not sure he is the unofficial pick of Uncle Damon. Uh I I haven't seen enough of him. He hasn't stood out amongst all the other guys that were in that um what was it called? The Lions Break Crown. Crown. I think there were other people who made the most of their opportunity. I, I was very impressed by guys like Adrian Quest and Blake Christian. They're the guys that I came away re- remembering, you know, their names and their movesets. And, you know, to be fair on Barrett Brown, he wasn't given that much to work with. So maybe if we see more of him in the future. But, uh, yeah, I jury's out. I would like to see more. I will say this, that I, I love the fact that Strong is kind of like this place for wayward wrestlers, you know, um, to get work and, and be on some television show of some kind. Um, I, you know, that new Japan certainly doesn't, I mean, new Japan's in a bit of a pickle too, because they got to fill this, these spots, but the fact that they're willing to reach out to all this talent that, you know, isn't, aren't national names and aren't signed with new Japan contracts. And, um, you know, kind of giving these guys an, an opportunity to work and get a paycheck. Uh, I got to tip the cap to them. I think it's a good thing that they're doing there. Question from Bash. He says, which wrestlers who never wrestled in New Japan uh, would you love to have seen wrestling in New Japan eras, 80s, 90s, the 2000s to the present day? So, yeah, if you could take one, or well, more than one wrestler who never wrestled in New Japan to, to plop it. Did uh, Kenta Kobashi ever wrestle in New Japan? On a, a new Japan show, so. like a cross promotion. I mean, thing. yeah, new. I mean, like combo shows and shit uh-huh. like that. Um, you know, dome shows, main events, but like, I, like not like a proper run or anything like that. Um, I mean, look, you could say all those '90s, um, all Japan guys. I mean, and again, we know Kawada kind of did his thing at the dome as well, and there was mix. You know, there's always that little bleed over um, at toward the end. Anyway, uh, but I'm talking about like in the height of things. Uh, and, and again, Stan Hansen was there early 80s and shit like that. But I'm trying to think of somebody like completely outside of that box. Who would be a good fit uh, to never be? I would say like a guy. I was going to say like Bret Hart. But even you know in the early 80s, he was there. But he certainly wasn't the Bret Hart of um, modern times. So I would say from an American standpoint – like an American pro wrestler that it would have been cool to see like a decent little run. Maybe like, maybe a Bret Hart would be top of the list. Um, Brian Daniels. Yeah, he did more Noah, but he, he, I mean, there, he's wrestled um, Hiroshi Tanahashi for that, that U30 title. Um, I, I remember that match. So he's, I mean, he's been there. 
Uh, again, there's a lot of guys that have been there. Mm, I'm talking like just like a, like a like an extended, seriously major run. Um, it's kind of hard to think of people who haven't at least had a cup of coffee with them um, for a tour or maybe two. Uh, yeah, I'll, let's just leave it at Bret Hart because I'll, I'll rack my brain trying to think of it and. And somebody, somebody be like, no, this guy did a fucking tour December of 1983. And I'm like, ah, you're right. So I'll leave it at Bret Hart, knowing full well that Bret Hart was there in the early 90s. But he's certainly not the Bret Hart that he became in the late 80s and 90s. This is not a question. It's just a random thing that's popped in my head that I wanted to pick your brains about. Did you hear this uh, story from Chris Jericho about what the original Osprey Empire angle was going to be? No. Okay. Let me get. Let me, let me guess. This is involve COVID denying and uh, and massive donations <laughs> yeah, to Donald Trump, but not being a political yeah. person. Yeah. Uh, right. No. Okay. So th- this was this. It was going to be. Uh, so Ocon debuts as a member of Chaos prior to the G one. Then during the bit where Jeff Cobb, no, not Jeff Cobb, where where Okada, or where Osprey turns on Okada. Jeff Cobb comes out to attack Okada and is the surprise new member of the Empire. But then uh, Okan comes out with the face mask, you know, the question mark thing, mm-hmm. comes out to save Okada, but then does a code breaker on Okada and it turns out it's Chris Jericho in disguise setting up a Chris Jericho-Okada match for <laughs> Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> Do, how much of that do you believe? Do you do you think that was ever? I'm sure that was in his mind. I don't, and I, you know what I mean. I mean, you know, I got a lot of ideas too, Chris. Not for nothing. Um, again, he may have even voiced those things. It doesn't necessarily mean that. But like, like you know, I I'm I'm doubting. Chris was sitting there in a, at, at a, in a round table with the uh, New Japan brass going over this particular storyline. But, um, yeah, I, re- I really don't think – again, I'm not saying it wasn't in his mind, but, okay. He invented the fucking wheel, too, and the question mark. <laughs> okay, we got he, it. Truly the Judas in his mind. Uh, okay, uh, Johan says, do returns like Master Watto's one reduce your enjoyment of the Young Lion matches, realizing as good as they are, many of them don't become the success story we wish they could be? Well, it's a Let's hard wait thing. wait until after the fucking best of the Super Junior. Watto might tear it up. I mean, might have might. a brilliant tournament. Nah, I mean, I doubt it, but okay. <laughs> um, uh, look, I was excited for Watto before he came out being Watto, so... I like him. I like him a lot. I just think this gimmick is just... Um, I I think that what you're asking is a a select company of human beings that are top stars in a pro wrestling company. Um, Not everyone can be the fucking superstar. The MVP. Uh, it's a difficult task. Every, there's got to be a lot of things that fucking connect. And again, we can go back to when 
Okada debuted. And everyone was like, wah, wah. They shit on his challenge to Hiroshi Tanahashi. This was not a slam dunk out of the gate by any stretch of the imagination. And it worked. They paid off. Okada became Okada that we know and love. That's not an easy thing to do. Because trust me, there's not a guy on that roster that wouldn't want to have that same opportunity and have it work and be able to pull it off. It's not easy. Um, that being said, again, this gimmick stinks. But um, I think, uh, look, let's put it this way. Uh, I think the percentages are, are, are decent. They're better than 50% of at least having people be stars. I'm Jay White. Uh, evil. Hiromo, I mean, you've got three legitimate stars. I mean, and everybody that's at the top now, Naito. I mean, these are legitimate stars that came from your fucking feeder system. I, I think they're doing pretty good. You know what I mean? I think they're if they miss a couple, if they miss a handful, okay, you you can you're going to expect that. You can't bat a hundred percent here, but I think. When they do, they hit fucking home runs. A silent Fleet says, what's going to happen to Fantastic Mania 2021? Where will Miho return to Lord Taichi's side? And has Damon slid into the DMs of any of the CMLL dancers? I, I do. Not the DMs, but I still follow. I still follow Ken Seiko, is it? Is, is that her name? Oh, she's. Oh, I love her. She's so great. Uh, yeah, I still follow her. Um, I lurk from afar. I've, I've not slid into any DMs. I'm not a big slide into DMs kind of guy. Um, what are we going to say? Hey, I like the way you <laughs> dance. I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> yeah, maybe you've heard of this. Super Jackass. Why am I talking like Jackie Marlin? Um, eh, so yes, to answer that, uh, I do not think we'll be seeing Fantastic Mania anytime soon. Um I just don't see that happening. Damon, you know what's weird? That That is one of my last memories of being in my home in Shaman was watching yeah. a fucking Fantastic Mania <laughs> because wow. I, I felt compelled to discuss it on the podcast. Isn't that strange? That feels like a decade ago. Oh, my God. It feels uh, The last pro wrestling show I was at, Joel, was Liger's Retirement. That was That seems like it was fucking a decade ago. That was the last pro wrestling show I was at. It's fucked up. And it's not getting any better here, man. We're, we're, you know we're worse off than when we started? What? The, you mean the USA? Yeah. yeah. Really? Well, well I mean the world pretty much. Still, <laughs> you did have 10 million down. COVID cases back in January. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I mean, but, but, yeah, when, when we went down to our first lockdown, we're worse now than we were then. Oh, well, so when we had UK, our first box. So. <laughs> yeah, well, that, I mean, that's where we're at. <laughs> Let's go, penalty box. Uh, Steel O'Neill says, which game slash sport do you think you could beat the Grim Reaper at to make your escape from health? A little reference to, uh, have you seen Bill and Ted's bogus Excellent German? adventure? Uh, is that the first one? I think that's the second one. I saw one. the first one. I, th- I know I saw the first one. I don't know if I saw the second one. He um, says computer games might be bad. That's not fair. I'm not good at anything else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Settlers of Catan I'm 
Now that's just a, a game of chance. That's just dice yeah. rolls. Cluedo yeah. or clue, as you call it in the states. I think I'm I'm pretty good at that. Colonel Mustard in the conservatory with uh, the dildo. You've been peeking <laughs> in the the little pocket, David. You <laughs> right, the little envelope that that game. Is it Colonel Colonel? Who is it? Name yeah, Colonel Mustard. Real quick, yeah, you got to name him all. He's my guy. I love Colonel Mustard. Okay, who else? You got to name them all. Name them. Ready? Go. Uh, Mrs. White, Professor Plum, okay. Reverend right. Green. Miss Peacock and uh-huh. uh, Miss Scarlet. Wow, look at you. God damn. You're fucking smart, dude. I would say video game <laughs> NHL like 94. Do characters. That's a low bar. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Come on. Uh, NHL 94. I forgot uh, Professor Plum, actually. Uh, who, who, and nobody's Professor Plum. Were you, is anybody ever Professor Plum? No, I'm, I always it's, go straight for Colonel Mustard. I will f- physically fight people over right. the, the ability to be Colonel Mustard in the game. Right, right. I'd rather be Mrs. White, and Mrs. White stinks. Mrs. White looks Perf- like the football manager Steve Bruce. I'd have to, you'd have to look at pictures for that to make sense. Oh, right. It really does. Uh, um, clue. It was with the wrench, and you got the little re- the little noose, the little uh, you know, the little hangman thing. Uh, uh, the what was the 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 pipe, the lead pipe. Um, what other things were there? The little fucking weapons. Revolver. Knife. The dagger. The revolver. Dagger, right. right Candlestick. Right, right. Candlestick. That's right. Wasn't there a rope? Yeah. You, I thought you said the noose, didn't you? I did. Yeah. I did, yeah. I'm yeah. just trying to picture them in my head. Okay. Uh, video game NHL 94. No, not, he, said, he said video games not allowed. Oh, what, so what, uh, what other game? Yeah, game or sports. Uh, probably some edging. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I yeah, can't top that. Pro- Maybe we should stop the podcast there. All right. You're the boss. <laughs> uh, okay, so redcircle.com forward slash shows forward slash super dash j dash cast if you want to donate mm. some money to us. Uh, the Discord link is in the show notes with uh, Best of the Super Juniors World Tag League season starting up again. Perfect time to jump in, get in the live event spoiler zones and get chatting with the crazy community we have over there. Uh, ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash SuperJCast for one of our great t-shirts. Although watch this space because I'm exploring alternative avenues for the old t-shirt gig. Uh, big thanks as always to Editor Dan. You can find him on Twitter at LousyHero219 and more great tunes on the way with Escape the Box UK. We've heard a, a demo for one of them which sounds tip top. I can't awesome. wait till uh, yeah. it's out and we can talk about it. Uh, subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network for other great shows. Please give us a five snake review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at the TheSuperJCast. Thank you everyone for listening and goodbye.